0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Tom Hudson, Week Ahead columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Inflation were both uh, weighing down on the economy and maybe the mind of the American consumer.
2: Absolutely. And maybe a hangover from the holidays, right, Rob? Great to be with you again and happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Actually, the expectations are for a pretty decent report uh, for retail sales. And I think backed up by the fact that it was a strong jobs month. Lots of Americans were working. Americans were getting new jobs and getting raises. Now, ultimately, the take-home pay getting really pinched by those inflation numbers, no doubt there. But underlying uh, decent retail sales growth in January was a very decent jobs report. That's why there's a, expected to be a, a pretty nice number on Wednesday when that uh, report finally comes out.
1: And it really does just tell the story of the state of the economy circa 2022. Yes, inflation is higher than it's, it's been in 40 years. And yes, uh, the virus was raging last month. And yet uh, the American consumer is still sitting on a lot of money and a lot of pent up demand.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And yet there is the end yet here, the asterisk with all of that, Rob, you're absolutely right. And it is confounding economists and really puts the pressure, even additional pressure on the Federal Reserve to act appropriately and not screw up. There's growing concern in the market, especially last week. Yes, the geopolitical risk with Russia and Ukraine is very real, very present in this market with energy prices and just a lack of risk appetite for investors. But I think increasingly the market is concerned that the Federal Reserve is behind the, but the curve when it comes to inflation and may make a policy risk, uh, a policy mistake in the months ahead, maybe act too far, too fast. Or, or somehow surprise uh, major investors in a way that would just add to the volatility that investors have had to be greeted with again this year.
1: Well, that takes us to the other data point that's going to come out on Wednesday, and that is uh, the Fed minutes. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, these are the minutes from a meeting at the end of January, and it seems like the Fed's thinking on inflation has evolved a great deal yeah.
2: since then. Indeed, absolutely right, Rob. It has it continuously evolved with really an active uh, public debate that we were able to see play out about how fast, how far will the Federal Reserve act on interest rates in mid-March when it is due to meet again. And there seems to be an increasingly uh, a chorus of voices, particularly from regional Federal Reserve presidents, to come out of the gate, not just with a, a quiet quarter point increase, that would be the first step, but maybe come out of the gate with a half a point increase Uh, And then how many of those increases still, even in this calendar year, as it looks to try to squeeze out inflation, yes, but perhaps most importantly, really affect consumer psychology so that the uh, inflation expectations uh, become, uh, I suppose, more anchored toward moderation as opposed to convinced that this high inflation rate is going to stick around a lot longer.
1: Tom Hudson, Week Ahead columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services, based in Miami. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Commercials about crypto were a big part of Super Bowl Sunday. Now let's get the uh, latest on this trend uh, in crypto going into the mainstream. And the perspective of Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group based in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Larry David. LeBron James and that QR code seem to have been the three ads that made everyone talk during yesterday's Super Bowl. They were all crypto ads. And I guess my question for you, as someone who probably knows the future, of the history of Super Bowl advertising, uh, is this going to be an Apple computer, a revolutionary moment in Super Bowl ads? Or like those dot-com ads of 22 years ago, a, a snapshot of a certain point in time?
3: Well, look, if, if I had that answer uh, no, with no disrespect, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now uh, because that would be a very significant uh, uh, revenue opportunity for yours, truly. Look, I, Rob, I think um, uh, it, it clearly remains to be seen. There, there is absolutely a lot of hype around all things crypto and uh, uh, next generation metaverse and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, it's interesting that you had four... Uh, new companies uh, debuting, shall we say, on the Super Bowl this year, um, and it's a difficult concept to convey to people. Number one, uh, which is a tough challenge marketing-wise. Um, when then you layer in the fact that it's it's supremely difficult in the Super Bowl alone, even if you've got a product that everybody knows and understands, like a like a potato chip. Um, so uh, you know there is a lot of a lot of money that was. Potentially wasted in uh, an already competitive Super Bowl environment. However, there's no denying that as a category, uh, cryptocurrency and electronic trading of such uh, is starting to become, if you will, a thing. I think it's got a long way to go to become a mainstream thing, for sure.
1: As far as strategy is concerned, there were two of the, like we want to call them the traditional type of Super Bowl ad where you had it's kind of a mini movie and you have a big name uh, pitching the product. Uh, Larry David uh, doing the, the fear of missing out uh, for one Bitcoin exchange. And then, of course, uh, uh, young LeBron talking to current LeBron. Um, and then there was the one with the QR code. Extremely yeah, minimalist. Look, I thought my TV had, had gone to screensaver mode or something like that. However, according to Coinbase, the, the the people behind the QR code ad, they got 20 million hits from that.
3: Yeah, you put your finger right on it, Rob. Right. So from a creative perspective, right, which is part of the deal for all of these things, right? Standing out, uh, drawing buzz. You know, uh, FTX's commercial featuring Larry David was uh, hysterical. Uh, totally on brand for Larry David. And in many respects, kind of, I want to say, dumbed it down for the audience, but certainly made it more accessible, this idea of whatever this FTX company or whatever this crypto thing is all about. Um, and the LeBron James thing, to a certain extent, did sort of the same thing, too. Those are both relatable commercials that most mainstream audience viewers, regardless of their technological savvy, could understand. And but then- let's be honest.
1: But. Well, I was going to say very quickly. You mentioned the metaverse, and there was actually a commercial for Meta about what was essentially the Showbiz Pizza Band being uh, dismantled and scattered to the four winds, and that was actually kind of depressing.
3: Yeah, certainly. And and there are a lot of things that are <laughs> depressing about all this stuff. But to, to the point earlier about the Coinbase thing, right? Look, I, it it was the last on everybody's list of. that that floating QR code in terms of creativity, but it is probably going to be remembered as the most effective and user-driving, engaging advertisement of the entire Super Bowl. Uh, So, you know, that's and that's what it's all about is about maximizing the spend to make it uh, worthwhile marketing wise. And I think Coinbase hit it out of the park in that regard.
1: Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertier Group based in Chicago. Coming up next, oil is a key factor in the tension involving Russia and Ukraine. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Natural gas is one of the pawns in the political tension involving Russia, Ukraine, and other countries. Let's talk about the potential impact with Tom Klozat, longtime energy analyst with the Oil Price Information Service based in Wall, New Jersey. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Let's begin with the natural gas uh, situation as it uh, relates to Europe. Uh, Russia is a major supplier of natural gas to the entire continent and that pipeline flows through Ukraine. Uh, So if there is a conflict if uh, those russian troops uh, amassed on the border uh, cross over into the country uh, how is that going to affect not only just the delivery of natural gas to europe but the uh, supply throughout the world
4: well i think for this year they're probably through the worst of it and uh you know if it had happened maybe 60 days ago it would have been a real problem And here in the United States, uh, people don't realize how privileged we are. I mean, we actually pay prices for natural gas, even though you can't understand your bill when you get it. But the actual prices that you see in the market are exponentially lower than what you see in Europe or Asia right now. So I think the the biggest threat is really on oil and refined products. Uh, Russia exports about 3 million barrels of crude oil and refined products to Europe. Now, those are not supposed to be part of the sanctions, but uh, once you have the fog of war or the fog of skirmishes or whatever you want to call it, anything can happen.
1: And what is the the, the larger threat uh, as far as Russian oil fields are concerned? Um, Is it pipelines or is it uh, naval blockades uh, restricting the movement of tankers uh, in, in the Black Sea and other bodies of water near Russia?
4: Well, right now, uh, the United States and its allies have no plans to implement sanctions that would directly target oil exports. I mean, uh, they do want to implement sanctions that would uh, impact the transfer of money in the big banks. You know, imagine if you were dealing with uh, U.S. companies and you couldn't use any of the money cider banks. That's really the, the the, the logic behind it right now but we'll see what happens i mean that would be very very damaging to the putin regime and to you know perhaps to the ruble and to wealth there uh but if they cut off uh, any of their energy supplies they would impact europe but they would do so at the risk of kind of cutting off their nose to spike their face, so to speak. They make so much money from their energy exports, whether it's 9 or 10 million barrels a day of oil, or whether it's the massive amounts of natural gas that flow to Europe.
1: With uh, oil trading, you right now at ninety four dollars a barrel. That's going to bring a lot of the uh, producers in the United States that were on the sidelines beginning at the at the start of the pandemic back into it. Which means American oil production uh, could ramp up significantly in the next year or so. What would a you know ten dollar a barrel or fifteen dollar a barrel reduction in the price of oil uh, mean to Russia's economy?
4: Well, uh, it would. It would. You know, heard it along with a, a stronger dollar versus the ruble. It could do a lot of damage there. But uh, I I want to tell you and or take issue with the notice that U.S. producers are ready to sort of up production. All of the rhetoric so far, and we're talking about for most of 2021 and 2022, has been kind of a wink and a nod and saying, listen, let's not raise production willy-nilly because we've had two boom and bust cycles already. So it's all about sort of getting the high price and returning it to shareholders or getting balance sheets in order. And, uh, you know, there's a thin line between uh, what you would call, uh, you know, communication and perhaps collusion. So I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on U S producers because in many cases you can break even on $25 barrel oil in the Permian basin and maybe a little bit higher in, in uh, places like North Dakota, So the incentive is there. Is the will to do it there? And is the financing from Wall Street there? Those are the big questions.
1: Well, thanks for joining us, and thank you for the insight. Tom Close, a longtime energy analyst, Oil Price Information Service, based in Wall, New Jersey. Still to come, a discussion of couples and money on this Valentine's Day. We really need new phones. T-Mobile
0: will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line
1: is only $25 a
0: month. New iPhone 15s? It's better here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for $25 per line per
5: This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Valentine's Day could be a good time to discuss money with your sweetheart. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. And today marks the anniversary of two school shootings, including one in Illinois. WBBM Business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is down 157 points. The NASDAQ is up 36. The S&P 500 is down 12. AccuWeather says cold with clouds and a few flurries giving way to sunshine later on. A high of 27. We have 20 degrees right now at 1231. Topping your news at the half hour, Northern Illinois University is set to observe a moment of reflection to remember five students who were shot and killed on this date in 2008. Bells will toll five times outside of Cole Hall. At 3.06 this afternoon, which is around the time the first shots were fired, the gunman went into a lecture hall armed with a shotgun and three pistols, shooting a total of 22 people. He then killed himself. President Biden says he stands with those working to end gun violence four years to the day after 17 people were killed at a high school in Parkland, Florida. The story from correspondent Mike Hempen. In a statement, Biden says the nation has to
0: uphold the solemn obligation to keep each other safe. Since the shootings at Stoneman Douglas High School gun violence at schools has increased. The Gun Control Advocacy Group, Everytown for Gun Safety, says there were 136 instances of gunfire on school grounds between August 1st and December 31st. The Secret Services National Threat Assessment Center, which has studied school attacks nationwide, reports most attackers were bullied and that there
1: were warning signs. Mike Hemp in Washington. It's 12.32 as the Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are mixed this afternoon. We're joined by Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Hugh Johnson Economics based in Albany. Hugh, thank you for joining us today. And as we start the week, it seems like investors are trying to wrap their heads around uh, the ongoing uh, uh, question of how is the Fed going to tackle uh, uh, higher inflation via interest rate hikes and uh, just the situation in Ukraine and whether or not... Russia will invade.
6: Uh, that's precisely right. And the, the biggest issue for investors, at least today, is what is the Federal Reserve going to do, which is, as you mentioned, and the question is, are we going to be looking at four or five increases in interest rates for the remainder of 2022? Or as some have uh, suggested, or even, even forecast, are we going to be looking at as many as seven increases in interest rates, which means The federal reserve would be increasing interest rates at every one of their meetings in 2022 you can make a strong case for either approach Uh, this morning we heard a little bit from one of the governors and one of the federal reserve open market committee voting members bullard who's very hawkish and wants to increase interest rates as much as 100 basis points by july 1st and then at the same time we heard from esther george who's a very good member of the open market committee who warns against oversteering. So you've got members of the Open Market Committee that are divided, and you certainly have members of the so-called economics community that are also divided. We don't know what the answer is going to be, and the markets today, some up, some down, are reflecting that.
1: And it seems like there's concern in some corners uh, Mm -hmm. that the Fed is trying to respond to the political reality of inflation uh, it, more so than the economic reality of inflation, uh, that they really want to break the, the the back of price increases sooner rather than later uh, because that's the politically popular thing to do.
6: That's very precise and very perceptive. And the reason for I say that is because they did a very a significant pivot they did that at the end of November, and they did that largely in response to some of the outcry from political people, not from economists. And political people have suggested that inflation is a real problem, and of course they're hearing from their constituents, and that's the reason they've been so vocal. At the same time, you have a number of economists, and you'd include myself, a number of economists who think that, yes, we've had a surge in the rate of inflation. There's no question that it's, it's a little bit demoralizing. But in time, and when I say time, I mean second, third, and fourth quarter of 2022, you'll see the year-over-year rate of inflation coming down, and I think there's a very strong case for that. So once again, we see division, and once again, we see a market that Reflecting that division
1: very quickly, Hugh. The uh, the the Fed's targets were full employment and two percent inflation. Um, are they going to be so aggressive as to really stick to that two percent uh, figure, or would they consider like a four or five percent uh, rate of inflation to be a win?
6: I think four to five percent would be too high. I think two two percent is too low, too optimistic. Fed uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, St. Louis Federal Reserve. Um, President Bullard today talked about a 2% target. They're not going to get to that 2% target, and they're certainly not going to get to it in the next two years. If they get to 3.5%, I think they'll be satisfied, particularly if we get ongoing good numbers on the employment side of things, and you do see the rate of inflation coming down. So quite frankly, 2% is is not called for, and quite frankly, I think 4 uh, to 5% would be too high. So Look for something in the 3.5% range. I think we'll get there, and I think we'll get there over time.
1: Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer. Hugh Johnson, Economics, based in Albany, New York. Thank you for the insight. Coming up next, a Valentine's Day discussion of couples and money. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. On this Valentine's Day, let's ramp up the romance by tackling a topic that can make or break couples, and that's money. We welcome in Craig Milano's founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group based in Inverness and in Downers Grove. Craig, thanks for joining us today. Uh, when two people get together and their hearts are beating and they have butterflies in their stomach and their head is over the moon, uh, they often don't really think about what the other person is making but sooner or later uh, you crash into that whole cold hard reality
5: Rob, that's exactly right. Love is in the air. And I encourage everybody, once that relationship gets to that next level, however that's being defined, you're moving in together, maybe getting engaged, whatever thing it might be, you've got to achieve some level of financial intimacy. And that begins with getting financially naked. And I suggest a great way to bridge that topic is just to have a money date.
1: Where you just sit there and talk about who's making what and uh, what you're just talk about your own sources of income or or should you also talk about, you know, what your goals are together and, and and just can you define what some of those goals could be?
5: Rob, you nailed it on the head. you know this isn 't about I make this, you make that, I owe this much in debt. you owe this much. The entire idea is to get a couple away from other distractions to sit down with a you know prepared agenda to become transparent so there isn't any financial infidelity, but ultimately it needs to be what are we working towards together? What does each person in this relationship think about money? What's important about money to them? Because couples that are pulling together, couples that budget together, couples who have some level of shared finances time and time again express more satisfaction in those relationships.
1: And one you mentioned financial infidelity, and that is you know, having a a, a a checking account or maybe a credit card on the down low that your partner doesn't know about, um, and that's something that could be a, a real uh, deal breaker for some people. The idea of not only just uh, merging finances, but merging bank accounts and merging credit cards, so the other person can see what you're buying.
5: Yeah, you can't have any side pocket money or side pocket debt. And what I want everyone to be so careful about is this – Get it out now. It will just be freeing for your soul, good for the relationship. But, Rob, time and time again, people go to buy a property together. It's going to show up on the credit report. Maybe people are eventually blessed with children, and maybe there's college loans involved. It's always going to come out, so best you go ahead and vet it now, early and often, and then your relationship will be on to smoother sailing.
1: Well, thank you for joining us, and happy Valentine's Day! And I hope we can uh, uh, help relationships turn corners today. Uh, Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group, a in Inver- uh, wealth management group in Inverness and Downers Grove, join us this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday, and still to come our Monday Stock Picker, loaning useful information each
2: weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: It's Stock Picker Monday. We welcome in Chuck Carlson, CEO of. Rob- and Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. Uh, what do you got? What are your two selections for this week? The first pick
7: is HP, uh, Hewlett-Packard. The symbol is HPQ. It trades for uh, about $36 a share. What I like about HP is, is that it gives you some tech exposure. The, obviously, they're, they're a leader in, in PCs and also on the printing side. Um, but you can get it at a good price, and you get a dividend yield to boot. Uh, the, the stock trades for less than nine times its 2022 earnings estimate, while yielding 2.7%. So you get a, a pretty nice dividend yield. Earnings will grow in 2022 uh, anywhere from 5 to 10%. And, again, you can buy that at a very nice valuation. So I think it's a, it's a nice stock for the times here when people are concerned about valuation, looking for dividend yield, but also looking for growth. That's HPQ symbol, uh, stock trades for 36 dollars a share, and our clients do own this stock.
1: And the next one, which is uh, rather interesting, it's, it's a play in the energy sector at a time when the energy sector is extraordinarily volatile.
7: Yeah, it, it, this is spicy meatball. I, I, will, <laughs> I will grant you that. It's, it's Matador Resources, uh, the symbol is M-T-D-R. The stock trades for a hair under $44 a share. Um, a couple of things that we like about it. One, we st- still believe that the energy-related stocks have legs here. We think the rally is, is going to continue in that group. Uh, and I also think that investors should get some small-cap exposure uh, in their portfolios because I think there's still relative value on the small-cap side. So Matador kind of fills... Both of, those, uh, both of those needs. The market cap in the stock is about $5 billion, so it's not the biggest stock on the block. I like the sector. The stock has pulled back uh, a little over 10% from its 52-week high, so you're not buying at the high on the stock. Uh, again, uh, it's going to be volatile, as you mentioned. Uh, Small-cap energy stocks are <laughs> going to be real volatile, but I think there's further upside in the stock. That's Matador Resources, symbol MTDR, Trades for for a little under forty four dollars, and our clients do want it. You get a little bit of dividend yield on that too, about half a percent.
1: And even if you take the uh, Russia Ukraine tension out of the equation, if that wasn't happening, uh, the oil and gas sector is still very interesting, just because everybody's out driving again. There is, and and uh, you know, I think one proven area
7: as a quote, inflation hedge in a portfolio typically has been energy stocks. Uh, I know a lot of people think about gold and things like that, which has been actually pretty uneven as an inflation hedge over time. But I think oil stocks typically provide you with a decent inflation hedge. So if you're worried about inflation as well, it wouldn't be a bad idea to to, to boost your your energy exposure here. And this uh, this is stock in the small cap space that can do that for you.
1: And then very quickly, what's the Dow theory telling you today?
7: Dow Theory, the, the last uh, signal under the Dow Theory was still a bull market signal. Uh, we have not had a close below the 34022 level on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. If we did, that would change the trend from bullish to bearish, but we haven't gotten it yet. We've gotten close. But we haven't gotten there, and until we do, the the last signal is what carries, and that was a bull market signal.
1: Thanks for joining us, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services based in Hammond, Indiana. You'll find past programs and later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.